Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to episode number 101 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. We try to bring you all the knowledge that we have on classic rock, hard rock, progressive rock, heavy metal, early MTV, and everything that we grew up with in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond. Everything we've gotten into since then. Uh, I am your host, Mac B. The Wolf, welcoming you to this 101st episode, and we'll be joined shortly by my partner in crime, Gary Action Jackson, from the East Coast of America. As I come to you here from Europe, actually in Amsterdam, been living in London for years, but needed to spend some time off the little island and on the continent here, and, and I'm enjoying my time in Amsterdam here. It's it's great post-COVID to be able to get out and explore a little bit more of Europe, which was always the idea when we moved from the U.S. in 2019. And of course, as we talk about on this show quite a bit, progressive rock is a very British-English subgenre of rock and roll music. And all the very best, we're talking about Pink Floyd, Genesis, Yes, King Crimson, don't want to leave anybody out. I mean, I'm a big Rush fan. They're Canadian, which is kind of like UK light and America light. But anyway, in getting to know British culture more by living there and being a bit of an Anglophile, trying to consume its culture as best I can, getting into football instead of NFL, things like that, you start to have a better sense of where prog rock comes from. It's kind of country, magical music away from the big city of London that maybe informs your heart, your soul of where you come from and, and, and what you're really feeling versus just the day-to-day -day making ends meet kind of stuff that a lot of classic rock is all about. And so we've been on a bit of a prog rock journey and we've been very fortunate that we've been able to speak with some prog rock heroes like when we had Jeff Downs of Yes and Asia on the show or Carl Palmer of Asia and Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Of course, we had Steve Hackett on this summer and, and one of his acolytes, Amanda Lehman, has been on our show a couple of times and really like this genre of music because it is more thought provoking. You do have to be a real musician and you do have to listen. It's not casual listening music. You have to dial in and really allow yourself to hear everything that's going on with this music. So as I've been on this journey and dragging Jackson along on this prog rock journey of mine, we're trying to find bands that we don't know that well. And one that is that we have no clue about in America, and we feel like most American fans don't, is Gentle Giant. They're a British band, you know, started in the, the late 60s, early 70s there, had three brothers, the Shulmans, 
And they played some interesting rock. Some call it psychedelic rock. Some call it space rock. They would incorporate horns. There's lots of keyboard. They have different singers. It's really very different music than what you're used to hearing on classic rock radio. And in December of 1972, they released their fourth album, Octopus, which featured a killer cover by Roger Dean. And I was always fascinated by the cover. You know I love Roger Dean from all his work with Yes and Asia, among others. So I thought this would be a good album to review on its 50th anniversary. But we still don't know much about the band. So we needed to bring in a ringer, somebody who understands prog rock, somebody who knows Gentle Giant and has for a long time and can walk us through not only this album, but the band Gentle Giant. And we are fortunate enough to find a young musician who loves Prague, who loves Gentle Giant, is a big fan of this album. And her name is Autumn Hawk Percival. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, hey, women aren't that into Prague. Well, this woman is. And she's a multi-instrumentalist in her own right. She's got her own album coming out here in late November, early December, which we'll, of course, be talking about on the show. But she's also 20 years younger than we are. So that's a rare find, an American. A female who loves Prague, who's 20 years younger than we are? Well, let's, let's, let's get her on the show. Sign me up. I want to know what she knows. I want her to come share with us her knowledge and her passion and why this music speaks to her. So we're going to have Autumn Hawk Percival on here very shortly to talk about Gentle Giant's Octopus. Now, a bit of business. Those of you who listen know we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network of Podcasts, which is about 100 different shows, mostly all about music, but not all rock and roll. There's really something in there for everybody, no matter what genre of music you like. And we always like to give shout-outs to our friends who've been on our show or we've been on theirs, including Christy Alexander Hallberg of Rock is Lit, including Jay Scott at The Hook Rocks out of Chicago, including dear friend Paul Stevenson of Vintage Rock Pod and This Day Rocks. I was on there recently talking about D. Snyder and the PMRC. You might want to check that one out. And then, of course, to the Kiss Kings, Tom and Zeus of the Shout It Out Loud cast. We hope to talk to them again real soon. Not to mention CEO and founder Christian Swain of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Show. Great show, and we loved having Christian on. But we also have to talk about our killer, killer sponsors, and that's RareVinyl.com. Look, guys, I know a lot of you are record collectors and you want pristine stuff or you want first edition stuff or you want those hard-to-find singles from around Europe or wherever they are. Go to rarevinyl.com, find something that you love, and then use the code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to get 10% off. Not only your first order, but every order you make. I guarantee you there's something in there that you want. Over a quarter of a million items in their inventory. They've been doing this almost 40 years. They ship everywhere around the world. So use that code PODCAST at rarevinyl.com or EIL.com. Go find that record, that single, that tour program, whatever it is you're looking for that's special to you, and get it shipped to you directly using our code PODCAST. So this is fun to talk to someone younger who actually knows a lot about prog rock, who has passion and enthusiasm for it. It was great, and I think you'll hear that on the show. We had a lot of fun talking to Autumn. She has a wonderful personality. She's easy to talk to. And I'm sorry you guys couldn't see her because she is lovely both inside and out. So please buckle in. This is going to be a bit of a long one, but I think you'll like this look down Gentle Giant's Octopus with Autumn the Hawk Percival right here on The Wolf. So I was pretty excited to hear, to learn 
that you're so into prog music? Because we find that most people your age are not. Uh, and, and even people our age, it, it's it's kind of just a certain type of person and, and a kind of a rare bird anyway. So to find someone who's young and talented, not to mention attractive, who likes oh, prog music, you. it's like, wow, that, that's someone we really <laughs> need to meet, isn't it? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so, it's so rare. I don't even think I know anyone my age that likes prog. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. You really don't. I mean, you know. I, it's I, I, really hard. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's so hard to find someone my age to, like, talk about prog with. Yeah, when I was when I was told that this this was going to go down, I'm like, wait, she's she, first of all she, and she's <laughs> yeah. how old and and like really likes yeah gentle giant octopus. Okay, those things don't go together. What's the yeah? I mean, I'm excited. I've I've never listened to this record before, so I'm excited to get oh, into wow. it. But like like Mac was saying, it doesn't look like those two things go together. So there's a story there somewhere. Yeah, how did you get yeah. into Prague there, Autumn? Oof, I'm trying to think. Definitely it started with Jethro Toll. I don't know if I mentioned like Jethro Toll is also like my favorite prog rock band. Yeah. Yeah. But it had to start with Jethro Toll, and that's probably ugh, I'm trying to think. Okay, when I was six, 17, sorry, 17. Okay. The first Jethro Toll song I heard um was Bungle in the Jungle. I know okay. that's like a hit. Mm-hmm. And then I probably didn't listen to them again until like freshman year of college. So okay. for me, that was like 19. And then, okay, I actually am like, I lied or I forgot. I actually know someone two years older than me who's really into prog. He's a guy. So okay. I feel like that's more common. But my ex showed me Jethro Toll and like, I just like got into them so hard. And then his dad showed me Gentle Giants. Ah. Yeah, which I feel like is more like common, like someone's dad like shows it right. to you. Yeah, yeah, yes. You don't walk into the record store if you still go to the record store and say, "I can get anything," but I think I want this. Yeah, somebody yeah. has to lead you down the path. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I wish I could say like, "Oh, I just randomly woke up one day and like discovered <laughs> Prog Rock," <laughs> but my ex's dad, like for sure, like showed me like gentle giant like dipped my toes in the water and mm -hmm. then i just like went wild <laughs> from there <laughs> well that's cool you, you find something that you like and you're turned on by it. it's like all right how deep can i go with this yeah yes exactly and that's exactly what i did and like now i'm trying to do you know the band vanderaf generator or vendor graph or vanderaf generator yeah i mean i don't know yeah. them very well but i've heard of them sure yeah oh you should listen to them they're my favorite right now they're from the 70s they were mm -hmm. only like big in italy but like they're my favorite right now they're like the most deep cut i feel like frog rock i listen to well that's cool and i think the 1970s was really kind of the genesis for a lot of this Big time, amazing prog rock. It, it came out of the 60s, obviously, bands like Pink Floyd and King Crimson. Yes. And yes, and Genesis started in the 60s. But really, we had to get the Beatles to kind of break up and then let people kind of evolve, you know, in the yes. 70s. Not to mention, we had Carl Palmer of Emerson, Lake and Palmer in yes. Asia on the show. And he was saying in the 70s, it was great because you could play anything and the DJs 
would play it. You could get it on the radio. And then as soon as we got into Asia in the early 80s, like, okay, all that stuff is over. All those time signature changes and tempo changes and 15, 20 minute songs, that's all over. You have to distill that into four minutes. And that's kind of how Asia got their pop prog sound that, that Jackson and I really like. But in the 70s, you know, all these bands were really kind of stretching out with and experimenting with all the different sounds and all the different things you could do. Yes, and that's why I love Prague. And, like, just the fact that you could have, like, so many genres in, like, one song or, like, Mm -hmm. one album. I just love that. Like, not that, like, rock and roll can be, like, limiting. Because I love, like, classic rock, like, standard rock. Mm -hmm. But, like, prog rock, like, for me, like, as, like, an instrumentalist, like, that's where I feel like the most free. And and I think that's what that's really what you're going to hear from most people who are listeners, but also musicians, because you can really hear like, yeah, these guys can really play. No offense to your, your three chord Charlie out there. Right. But yeah, I mean, this is really there's a lot going on. You have to be very uh, adept at your instrument and adept at like Mac was yes. saying, time changes and being able to play in the band. Yes. And that's what I love like about prog rock musicians because like like you said, like the three chord Charlies, like not to shit on Jerry Garcia. I love Jerry Garcia. <laughs> yeah. no, I love him and that's why I love him because he can play like three chords for like 20 minutes and right. it sounds <laughs> like five different songs, but then like after a while, it's like, okay, like, can I hear some, like, dynamics? Can I hear... Yeah, can great, we change something like, up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, something different. And, like, that's why, like, everything you said, like, that's why I love prog rock. Because you can listen to an album for hours and it feels like you went to, like, ten different worlds, you know? <laughs> but yeah, and it's dense. I mean, there's a lot in there. I've I made a note on here, especially listening to this Octopus record. I'm like, yes. this doesn't sound like something you listen to casually you you have to <laughs> sit down and focus on it and it's like something jackson would say this is headphones material because you got to hear all that different stuff that's going on you know yes and i love that headphones material that's so <laughs> clever no it's so true and i love that you picked like this album because this one in particular i honestly like haven't i'm trying to think probably haven't listened to in like a year or so i I repeat like the same albums I love. Mm-hmm, sure. Like I love that you picked this one because I was like, wow, oh my God, I need to listen to this again. But this one is to me like one of their weirdest. Okay. Because like I don't have you listened to like their other albums? So we always do research and it's and and I, I haven't listened to their entire catalog after a bit. No. Okay. That's the thing. But okay. I have listened to their other albums and I feel like this one was kind of a bit of a turning point for them or it's at least a pivot point you know what i mean yes no i agree because the other ones like not that this one doesn't like flow but to me like in like a thematic like aspects like the other ones flow together more like the tracks are like okay cool like this is all kind of like in the same vein Mm-hmm. And like this album, it's like, what the, like, that's at least how I feel. I'm like, oh my God, like, where are we going now? Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. 
Yeah, well, and it kind of seems too like in listening to this, and and to be honest, yeah, this is this is for, to do this show. This was the first time I'd ever listened to this record before. So you've got two, basically, you've got two guys on here. You've got you've got Carrie, and then you've got one of the Shulmans, yeah, writing, writing the music, and you can really tell the difference one to the other. Like it does, like you said, it doesn't really flow. I mean, the, the album kind of goes together, but you can. If I didn't tell you, like, this isn't the same guy who wrote these songs. They're they're different. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, was, you can still hear that. Yeah, so before we get deep into the record, let, let's talk a little bit about you and your musical journey. I mean, you are a musician, a multi-instrumentalist, a songwriter, and you've been in a band, but now you're doing it solo. I mean, like, and Prince solo. Like, I play every, I play every instrument. I write all the stuff. I do all the singing. Yeah. How did you evolve to that? And how, how big a factor was Prague in all this evolution? Mm, okay. Well, I got into, like, playing solo. Just to simplify it, like, as my therapist says, I don't, like, work well with others. <laughs> and also, like, being like a band leader not that i'm not fit to lead but i think like not to be sexist like i hate bringing in like gender mm-hmm. like i've always been like the only woman like in all of my band setups sure. mm-hmm. and like to i guess like be like perceived as like an authority figure to like a group of men like I needed like a certain like personality type, like I okay. guess like more assertive, and I was totally just like very lax and super just like well, however you're feeling, guys, and like <laughs> sure we can start now. And just basically giving like a group of men like no boundaries and just saying like the floor is yours, like go <laughs> crazy, and like they did like go crazy, and like you know, and like I take accountability, like I totally didn't say anything like until it got bad, and like that's why things blew up. Okay. It just felt like a Beatles situation, you know? It just felt like a Beatles situation. Like, I was being a John. Like, I was just like, whatever, like, the vision, like, (laughs) music, instead of, like, this is a business, you know? Mm -hmm. I wasn't being the Paul McCartney that I needed to be. Gotcha. That's that's tough. That's tough to do. I mean, we... We did, we did a whole episode on the get back Peter Jackson deal and oh you could really gosh. see how in parts of it like McCartney had to be the leader but it was tough for him so I can't even imagine especially with like you you brought up the dynamic of you being a female and trying to tell males what to do I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. yeah I can't imagine that went smoothly No it was hard <laughs> it's just like men in their 20s also like you can picture <laughs> that you know <laughs> yeah. It was a long time ago but yeah. Yes, I can. I can picture it somewhere. Yes, I remember. You know, <laughs> so it was hard because it's like guys in their twenties. It's just like they're definitely they're not going to listen to a woman in general. Like I'm sure there are maybe some men in their twenties out there, maybe that listen to women. I don't know, but like, yeah, yeah. So it was just like a mess, and especially a woman their age. It was just like, yeah, you're a peer, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. So, so when party. you were in the band dynamic, were you still writing all the material or how did that work? Yes, I was okay. writing all the material and like at the time, and I think, um, and leading into like the last part of your question, like how does prog rock tie into this? Mm-hmm. Like at the time, like I wouldn't say, I will, okay, I will say I wasn't confident enough to like show my like prog rock writing because I just knew like most people my age, like 
didn't really like prog rock and like or wouldn't get it yeah or wouldn't get it that was mostly yeah the thing the latter they wouldn't get it right so i was kind of shy and like i would show my band at first and they would kind of just look at me and be like okay like i don't really know what this is and like so i would have to simplify my writing and just make like the classic rock version gotcha which was still fun you know but it was like oh this isn't like being true to myself yeah. not really what you wanted to do no not at all and so i feel like that experience and i did that for eight years like just doing that for eight years and it all like finally just like getting to me and driving me like literally crazy <laughs> i just was like i fired my whole band one night and just like didn't say a word blocked them all and like my favorite artist is todd rungren Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I said, like, you know, I have to pull a Todd Rundgren. Like, I just need to, like, get rid of everyone, like, be by myself, like, go crazy in the studio, like, be like a wizard and just, like, go off. Mm -hmm. So that was two years ago. And I just, like, went from there. <laughs> Good for you. Good to be true to yourself and, and follow your own heart and, and your own muse. You know, you don't need other people encroaching on your uh, on your vision on your art artistic vision yeah exactly and i hate to be that person like i needed to be an artist you know like the vision like you said but like i was feeling so depressed and i felt like honestly imposter syndrome i was just like this isn't me like i don't know whose music this is but it's not mine like mm. Well, no, if you're writing the music, you're in charge, whether they want you to be or not, whether you want you yeah. to be or not. And maybe it took <laughs> you a little while to figure that out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wish I figured it out like sooner than later, but I'm <laughs> glad I did. Yeah, live you're here life. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so were you a musician your whole life? Did you start as a young child or was it something you came up as a teenage like, oh, I want to do this? Um, I started playing piano at seven years old. Wow. And I didn't really know if I wanted to be a full musician then. I just, I wouldn't say I liked it. I got into piano because I, um, I have ADHD and like it was horrible as a kid. And so my mom thought like, okay, maybe if I like get her into piano lesson, she'll like calm down. And focus. You know? yeah. yeah, and focus. And it kind of worked like, except for like when I wasn't playing piano, like, it only works. <laughs> When I was playing <laughs> piano. Right. So, yeah. But it was fun. I quit piano. I was always very dramatic. I quit piano at nine. And, like, yeah. I joke that I retired. Like, <laughs> I had a short piano career. But I um, started playing piano at nine because I saw the Start Me Up video on VH1 Classics. Nice. For, like, the first time. That was my thing when I was, like, little. Like, I think at age eight, I started watching like MTV and VH1 Classics. But like seeing Keith Richards, I was like, whoa, like he's so cool. Yeah, I'm going to be like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I made my parents get me a guitar and like started lessons. Cool. That's awesome. And we we feel the same way about Keith Richards. You know, I mean, we, yeah. we, he's the coolest man on the planet. You know, he can kick Jack Nicholson out of the cool room anytime he wants. Yes! You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Although we've we've uh, we've kind of touched on this uh, more than once on this show that if you want to be a musician, you have to learn, you have to have the, learn how to play the piano. That's the, even Eddie Van Halen, who so was true. world famous for being a guitarist said, if you have to know how to play, you have to know how to play lead with one hand 
and rhythm with the other. And if you can do that, then you're a musician. Well, I didn't know that that's so true. Yes, mm-hmm. Eddie Van Halen. That's so true. I'm honestly like glad I started playing piano, even though for a long time, like especially when I was like a kid and a teenager, I hated that. Right. I played piano and I was kind of embarrassed because it wasn't cool. That's why I started playing guitar. But like now as an adult, I'm so glad I started playing piano because on the theory level, piano helped me. That's how like I think of like music theory, like structurally and also just playing like now, like I switched kind of completely to piano. Like my main instrument I play now is piano and it's like way more fun. And so I'm glad that I started because like I wouldn't be able to just switch so quickly, you know, mm, just like that's right. as a piano player. Well, good for you. That's awesome. That's cool. And now are you, I think you were kind enough to send us some of the mixes, not, not yet master. No, you're still working on finishing I'm up your Probably not next week. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, uh, and some amazing sounds in there and, well, your 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 lyrics are uh, are poignant, and you know they're pretty grown up. I mean, obviously, you've had a lot of time to <laughs> yeah. live through life, and well, the songs you write at twenty one are very different than the songs you write at thirty. Not musically, but yes. because of what you've been through in life, and you can hear some of your life experience coming through in these songs. Oh wow! Thank you. Yeah, honestly, um, I'm trying to think. These songs, they're based on, like, the feelings I've had, like, over the last six years, like, up until now. But, like, I wrote them over the last two years. And, yeah, I guess you can say, like you said, they're very grown up. They're my dark feelings. Like, night moods is, like, what I call my feelings that keep me up at night. Mm, Interesting. So that's what all of those songs, like, the lyrical content are all of my feelings that keep me up at night. So when do you think you'll have it uh, done and ready for... uh introduction to the world i'm hoping like late november i'm crossing my fingers like latest december but i'm like aiming for late november okay cool and are you gonna gig out you're gonna go do some live shows around it no i'm actually not performing anymore i retired Ah. (laughs) from performing (laughs) and you never know when that might come back at some point but it sounds like this material would be killer live you know if you can find uh, you know well one day you know when you kind of figure out okay this is the way i want to do it and obviously you might need a little help you might not be able to do all of it by yourself right no no yeah definitely not like if i were to perform this album like i would definitely have a band Definitely with, like, older, like, session players. Like, not with guys my age. Like, not to shit on guys my age. It's, like, <laughs> I always joke, like, guys, like, aren't adults, like, until they're, like, in their 50s. I'd say that's but, true. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, like, you can, like, confirm <laughs> that for me. So, like, I prefer to work with guys or, like, deal with men, like, in their 50s and, like, up. Well, we're almost there. I mean, we turn 50 very soon, you know, so. Yay! Oh, uh, okay, you're almost adult. I'm almost adult. <laughs> I, I did my wife quit. will be super excited to hear that. <laughs> I, did, I did quit my job and start a podcast, so I don't know how adult that is, but we'll, we'll <laughs> find out here soon, yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Jeff Downs. You're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf. All right, so so your ex's father got you into Gentle Giant because he is older. He's probably our age or older, and maybe older, experienced yeah. some of this, you know, in the seventies. Like he heard this when it was coming out brand new. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's like I think in his mid to late sixties. So. Okay. 
Definitely. So, and he could have caught them live in the seventies because he they did. were a, a pretty good touring act in the seventies. Yeah. Yes, and honestly, he saw this album live, like nineteen seventy-two. Yeah. Really. You saw this album live because I'm trying to think which song. I'm gonna quickly. I actually like took notes okay. on this album <laughs> for the podcast, so I'm quickly gonna like, go into my notes to try to remember. Which one he showed me? I think it was Knots. I don't Not. know if you listened. Did you listen to that track? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And that's like, the to me, like the weirdest one on that album. Because it's like weird. Just like the choir, like layering. And just like the rows, like rowing. Like that weird, like vocal technique. Like that one's just so weird. Like it kind of sounds like a nightmare to me. No, it's at my notes here. It's clever, but it's weird. That's not yeah, <laughs> completely. And so that's what I think. Like when he played me that song, it was that song, and was it Tarkus? He was showing me like so many by Emerson Lake and Bom- right. Bomber. He was showing me like so many like prog songs, just like his favorite ones. But like those two songs, because they're so just like weird, but like not. So I was just like what the hell is this? But I want to hear more. Well, that's cool that not only was it like, this is weird, but give me more. Because sometimes it's like, this is weird. Don't ever play this for me again. Right? Oh my God. It was definitely not that. I'm weird, but I think you know that. Like I'm 30, I'm into prog rock. Like I'm a girl. So yeah. I was just like, wow, you know, I'm trying to think of the weirdest like band I listened to before I got into prog rock. I don't even know. I'm trying to think of like a psychedelic band. I don't really know. I feel like I listen to like normal, like textbook classic rock band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we luckily, did. Yeah, you know. But like, luckily, I wasn't. I'm, I guess David Bowie because he can get kind of weird and froggy. Like he was That's the right. weirdest. But yeah, I don't know why. Because he showed me like the weirdest one too. Like it's not. There's so many like gentle giant songs. Yeah, like I could pick for someone's first time that are kind of like normal, I guess. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So it was just funny to me, like this one, not. I was like, whoa, I want to hear more. I know because I was listening. Obviously, I listened to this album a couple of times, and then I'm like, all right, you two, just run me something. Just, just let me hear more of their music so I can become more familiar with it. And, And there's definitely some stuff that is what I would call more listenable than this yeah. is. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So uh, so this was an interesting one. I, I kind of picked it because it's about to turn 50, probably about the, the time that your new record comes out. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's got a killer Roger Dean cover on it of the octopus. And I don't know if you can see behind me here, but I have some Roger Dean prints out there because I think his artwork is amazing, whether it was what he was doing for Yes or Asia or... Oh my gosh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. He did, like, Yes's covers? I mean, he did most most of them. Um, there's a few oh. that uh, in the late 70s that I think the guys at Hypnosis, who did a lot of Pink Floyd stuff, okay. did. Uh, and they did Houses of the Holy for Led Zeppelin, and they're, they're very oh. famous at that. But the, the yes. guy who made the Yes logo and has done, like, the Tales from Topographic Oceans and, and most okay. of their stuff, that's Roger Dean. And Asia, if you, you know, you see the, uh, and then if I... See, I don't know if I can turn my thing here. Can you pan it over? Let's see. 
You oh, might be able to see is. the dragon with the pearl right back there from the first Angel yes. album. No, he, I think he's an amazing artist, and he did kind of open for Yes on their recent Close to the Edge at 50 tour. He comes out and introduces the band. That's amazing. And then he has a gallery where he's selling prints, like out besides just Yes t-shirts, you can get these amazing Roger Dean prints. So I'm like, all right, the octopus one is killer. And it's not the only cover that they had. The North American cover was done by somebody else. And it's uh it's an octopus in a jar. Yes. That, that's I've very seen that different. One. Yeah. And, and apparently it also had uh on original release, it had a die cut like special release in the shape of a jar. I'm like, well, that must be worth a pretty oh penny if God. you can find that yes. one today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on eBay is probably worth like so much. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Who did the cover? Hold on. It was Charles White. And not familiar. Not not familiar either, but he was known for chronicling African American related subjects, I guess was his thing. He's a black man, you know. Uh well, was he, wow. he he died in the 70s, maybe six years or so, seven years after he did this cover. But yeah, I mean, it just it's always interesting to me. It's like, why do you have alternative covers? And if you have something killer. Like Roger Dean, why do you need a second one? You know, it's just it's just curious to me. Yeah, and why did you commission a whole nother one? Like I could see if it was like the Roger Dean art and then a picture of the band or something like that, but you actually had two separate things that you did that actually they they both look pretty cool. Yeah. Obviously, you know, but from the rest of the show, my heart will always be with Roger Dean. That's right. Um, but yes. they're both pretty cool looking. Yeah, I think it's for the novelty thing. Like the Beatles did that with that butcher cover thing, you know. Could, yeah, it could have been, yes. Well, I think that was once people saw that, it was like, uh, we need another cover. right i know their alternative cover was like for different reasons but it's like the novelty factor like oh this is cool like you know yeah no cool and so all right so and i also what i found really interesting was after this i think it kind of set them up for more success as a touring act at least in america i think they probably did okay in like the uk and europe but in 72 they opened for black sabbath and they were regularly booed (laughs) off the stage by sabbath fans because these two things don't mix especially what sabbath was doing then right Right, and especially in the united states too especially in the u.s definitely not because 1972 i feel like at least for me was like the peak time for hard rock you know, that's where all the like heavy hitter hard rock bands had like my favorite albums out. You know, that year Zeppelin, mm-hmm. Purple, yeah, Zeppelin, exactly. You know, like all the heavy hitters. So, of course, like I love General Giant. Like, I love weird. I'm really into like medieval fantasy and medieval history. So, I love like weird like loot music and like mm-hmm. songs that like maidens would like frolic to, you know, <laughs> but like Black Sabbaths fans like they wouldn't want to hear that like they're more like i want to hear what like the wizard or like the castle mage is like listening to while like summoning demons and like that's not like gentle giant energy you're right those two things don't even go together even on paper this saturday black (laughs) sabbath and gentle giant wait what no huh (laughs) Mm -mm. but they did tour with toll what your favorite they did tour with yes and that makes sense yes Mm. Yeah, that does make sense. That does. Jethro Tull like has some rock hits, and that's why 
I love Jethro Tull, but that's why I also love Gentle Giant because they're so weird. I feel like they're one <laughs> of the weirdest, like prog rock bands. And like Derek Shulman, I think that's like the main brother. Mm-hmm. He's like the vocalist. Like he was just super hardcore about like um just saying like so weird and just tr- not like conforming. And so like I really appreciate that too, even though like business wise and like trying to fit into the mainstream that doesn't really work right that's why i love like gentle giant giant and like Derek in particular like that member cool yeah and that, and and in kind of doing some research for this just in the show in general it's it, 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 to me like prog rock is like oh yes and genesis yeah but if you're really a fan then you listen to like the weird stuff the yeah. gentle giant and the camel and the king, yeah yeah camel yes exactly. <laughs> yeah and it's to me and we've said this on our show a lot to me, it's a very English subgenre. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I moved to London for three and a half years. And, you know, you start nice. to absorb, you know, some of this British culture. It's like, well, I like some of what I know of Genesis. I know some of what I know of Yes. Obviously, I like Pink Floyd. So what else is there? You know, and, and you start to learn about Linda's Farn and you start to learn about Gentle Giant. I'm like, all right, well, I still didn't know anything after three years of living in England, anything about Gentle Giants. I'm like, who is going to teach me about this? Yes, the pretty 30-year-old girl from Southern California, of course. <laughs> who else would it be? Whoa. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. You would think like the guy living in London would be like the one yeah. to teach us, you know? Oh, you don't know, I know. No, right? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> No, I love that. And honestly, like, I'll joke, like, I'm a bit of an Anglophile myself. But, like, no, I'm totally like a full-on, I'm obsessed with, like, British Invasion, honestly, that got me into prog rock. Like, oh. I've always been obsessed. I think that's, like, my favorite, like, besides prog, like, subgenre of rock. Okay. Like, British Invasion. I feel like that leads you there. Like, that's the gateway drug, at least for me, <laughs> for prog rock. You know, British yeah. Invasion. Absolutely. That's where it all started from. And then those bands, I mean, you got to say that the Beatles were a bit experimental. The Stones did some. Oh, yeah. The Who See, did some. Kings. Yeah, the Kings. Kings for me really got me into prog rock because Ray Davies, he's so weird and like, <laughs> If you listen, like, to the Kinks, like, their albums, like, throughout time, like, it gets so weird. It gets so weird. Like, I don't know what kind of rock. Like, I guess it turns kind of, like, glam rockish to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Not, like, kind of. Like, I don't know what to call it. Like, or maybe it's still, like, Baroque pop, but just, like, evolved or something. But, like, Ray Davies, to me, could he's so, like, prog in the way. Well, that's interesting take. Yeah, that's cool to, to think about. And, and, and it was, look... We talked to our founder, Pantheon founder, Christian Swain, about this recently. The 70s is when all this stuff happened, right? It, it was really just kind of the, the Beatles and the Stones and kind of the who, and, and then the Creams dominating the 60s. Yes. And then once, once they got done with that, and then they kind of opened up the doors a little bit, then the 70s you, is where all these genres came from. And then as much as we love the 80s, look, Jackson and I grew up on MTV when it was new. And when it was oh, new- wow. It was amazing. You know, it was fantastic. But but if you didn't look good, you might not get on MTV. You know, so true. Yeah. Christopher Cross was having a hell of a career until MTV came along, you know. Uh, (laughs) Nothing against Chris, but, you know, 
He's probably still caught between the moon and New York City. But anyway, the (laughs) 80s changed it. So now it's okay. Now it's got to be tight. It's got to be short. You got to have a catchy video to go with it. So even people like Genesis and Yes, who used to do these epic songs, now they're doing Owner of a Lonely Heart and Invisible Touch. Yes. Owner of a Lonely Heart. Like, I think it's good because it grew on me. Like, it's so corny. It's so cheesy. And, like, <laughs> it's so, like, okay. Like, I was, like, a 70s weird band. And, like, I had to sell out right. so I could, like, keep, like, going through the 80s. But I love that song. I love that song. Oh, yeah. So do we. You know, it was important. We came out when we were 10, you know. And we saw it every oh, hour on MTV, you know. Oh, that's and it's, awesome. And it still has, it still has one of the greatest uh, guitar riffs in it also. So, I mean, you yes. know what it is. I mean, that's still, yeah, the song is cheesy, but that riff <laughs> and the solo are still pretty cool today. The solo, and the solo is so cheesy, but it's so good. <laughs> but, but okay, so but, however, mm. when you watch the video and they're, and they're cutting up metal, while he's doing it, you know, with the with the sparks and everything like yeah, those, yeah. that goes together, it really it adds to the to the flavor of the song. Right. It adds to the corn. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Trevor Rabin then did become, you know, quite the, uh, you know, the musical score, musical director may have done some musical scores for people, you know, I don't know about that or not. But OK, I'll but, have to look into that. I, mean, I think he's done like 50 different movies or something crazy like that, you know. So, oh, wow. Yeah, he's, he's pretty prolific. Yeah. But at any rate, let's let's kind of get into this gentle giant octopus, their fourth record, and what it was their last with with Phil Schumann, right? There were three brothers. The brothers, Ray, yes. Phil and Derek. And this is the one where Phil's like, okay, this is it. I, I can't do this anymore. But he did this one, right? Yes. And let me look at my notes again to see like which songs in particular. Okay, the first one, that one I wrote, I like took a note is one of my favorites. The first track. And you like, you listen through it. Like you said, all of it. Yes. Mm. That one's my favorite. Mostly. Well, besides like the instrumentation, like the lyrical content, it's, um, are you familiar with Gargantua and Pantagruel? I'm not. No. Strangely enough. No. Okay. Well, I already mentioned that I'm weird. And like, I think it's pretty clear. (laughs) I'm going to say that a lot. I think it's pretty clear that I'm also like a nerd. Just I feel like anyone who's into prog rock, like you're a nerd, like you're mm-hmm. a nerd, you know, like you are. And so um, Gargantua right. and Pantagruel, it's a book. Um, it's a fantasy book written in the either late 1700s or early 1800s. Okay. Um, I'm a huge fan of like 18th century, like fantasy Mm-hmm. this one this book in particular it's so good it's about like a city of like giants like their world but this song is about that it's based off of like that book right and um their other album acquire the taste have yes. you listened to the album that's their second record yeah yeah okay um they have a song called pantagruel's nativity and it's also like alluding to that book or it's referencing and so that's this, what I like about it as a nerd. Yeah, and this right here is why it doesn't caught it never caught on in the United States because <laughs> we are way too dumb for yeah. that. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> we really are. So true. It is no. <laughs> it really is true. And that's why I love like British musicians 
Because honestly, like English people, and I'll say that, like <laughs> as an Anglophile, like English people are like smarter. Their education's better. And like, it even if you're not like smart in London, like, you know, Shakespeare, you know, the classics. It's just like yeah. in the British blood, you know? And so that's why I love it. Like, same with like Led Zeppelin, like they're referencing like Tolkien. Tolkien like, yeah. mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. that as a nerd. I'm like, yes, please like reference like all the books I lived in, like as a kid and even now as an adult. So that's why I love that track. You know what my comeback is to that? Yeah. Free Bird. <laughs> ah, that's so American. So that's American. So American. USA. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as someone who lived in Jacksonville, where they are from, they play oh my God. they play <laughs> that song. Well, at least they play Leonard Skinner like every sixth song. It's on a twenty-four rock. hour loop. There's no time for Gentle Giant <laughs> on classic rock in Jacksonville, Florida. Let me just tell you. Oh my God, no! That's Freebird Central. Yeah, but that's the advent of Panurge is the name of the song written by yes. Carrie Manier. And what's interesting to me is Carrie, who is the kind of keyboard player, piano player. He would sing. He has this kind of sweet, soft voice. He couldn't do it live. He never sang live. Derek so and Ray would sing too. Oh, and I guess I guess Phil would as well. But Derek and Ray would sing, but he wouldn't do it live because I guess he couldn't project it live in a way that it would come across. So Derek would have to do that as well, I guess. And that makes sense because you probably notice, like Derek, he has like the stronger like voice and like to me that's why he's my favorite vocalist in gentle giant like he is has like the confidence you know so that makes sense yeah he has a presence on stage you know is because a lot of these prog bands they would kind of sit down and they would you know keep their heads down and just like focus kind of on weird. what they were yeah. doing right even pink floyd they didn't move True. they didn't do anything on stage you know no. but this guy was a front man right he's up there he would dance right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah those moves yeah literally you know yeah no it is you know cool. very magical there's some nice harmonies in there it's very jazzy because you know it's kind of offbeat yes. right you know kind of thing yes. and, and there's you know there's some some staccato kind of stuff in there which, which makes them different than just what you normally hear on the radio definitely and that's what I love about them. And like, even with this song, like you mentioned, like Harry's like vocals, like he's more like soft and like, mm -hmm. they're all kind of weird. I'll just say like <laughs> weird again. They use that word a lot, but he's more like soft and like haunting and weird. And yes. like, now that I'm thinking about his vocals, I wonder if he's actually singing, um, have you listened to the album like in a glass house at all i did listen i mean i didn't listen to it intently the way i listened to this one but i've heard it yeah okay i'm just like i wonder but also like derek can kind of sing like soft and also in that like higher register so it could be him but it makes sense like why his vocals were hard to sing live like especially as a keyboard player because you're you're not singing from a place of like oh i'm a vocalist so like i'm gonna use my diaphragm like all these things you know so he, it's hard, like that kind of like vocal tone, like soft and wispy, even as like a trained vocalist, it's hard to project from that like vocal tone. So interesting. I do not blame that guy. I know it's really hard. Well, that's cool. That's that's good insight right there. All right, let's move on to track number two. I love the title, Raconteur Troubadour. And yes. apparently, apparently they they the they had a concept for this. You know, it's it kind of a concept record in that they would start with writing a song, 
for the personality of each member of the band, yes. right? Yes, I cool wrote idea. Yeah. yeah, cool idea, you know. And so Manir again, I think he wrote this one, and he's doing the vocal, a little minstrel music. Like uh, we talked about, Deep Purple, Richie Blackmore has evolved into being this kind of purveyor of minstrel music from yes. Baroque times, and it sounds a little bit like something he would do today. Oh yeah, that's so interesting. You know, it totally is because it's that like. I guess you could call this. Do you know, like, are you familiar with like Canterbury rock? Not really. No. <laughs> are you? Okay. That's no. a, that's like a deep cut, sh- like, sub genre of like prog almost. I read the and Canterbury it, Tales in high school. That's as close as I got. Canterbury Tales. I feel like it's honestly from the same like area, like Canterbury. It's basically like, countryside, like, weird like nerd like guys rock like even that's, nerdier that, that's what it sounds rock. like what, what do they call that larping the, LARPing. Uh, the yes live action role-playing that's what that's what this yes. reminded me of yes yeah. yes that's literally like that's the essence of like canterbury rock <laughs> and it sounds like honestly like creatures from like canterbury tales would like listen to this <laughs> and, like rock out and that's so the vibe of like that track, like what is it called? Reconteur Troubadour. Because yeah. it's that weird kind of like, I'm trying to think of the word. Like, I'll just do like a Shakespeare reference, but it's super like puck like, like Midsummer's Night Dream. Mm, just like, mm-hmm. just super English. Like, it's just so fucking English. Like, Very. I'm from the country and like, just like weird. Like, you know, <laughs> I love that. No, and it's this thinking person's music. This isn't, you won't listen yes. to ACDC. And then put this uh, on. Not that there's anything no, wrong with ACDC. We love ACDC. Oh, I love ACDC. But it's not the same. No, I love that. This is thinking man's music completely. Yes, like you have definitely read a few books or so. Like yeah. if you listen to this. <laughs> yeah. And then you get the horns and the violin and the bridge. Oh, good. It's a little odd, but, you know, it, it, it kind of wraps his story as this raconteur troubadour up that way. It's uh I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, again, you have to kind of focus and listen to this. You can't just put it on in the background while you're cooking something like that. No, definitely not. And like, you also have to have like a sense of humor. Mm. That's what I love about prog rock, like, especially like gentle giant and also Jethro Tull, like Ian Anderson does this. Yeah. Or he'll have like little kind of like Canterbury-ish rock, like, just like quips and little things where you're just like, what the hell? Like again, like <laughs> you wouldn't just sit down and listen to this and be like, wow, I'm gonna like eat breakfast or just like go drive in the car and just like listen <laughs> to this and be like, woohoo, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you know, it, it's funny, mood. it's funny you say that because I was trying to do this and something else, and I'm like, I can't, I can't, no. I have to, I have to concentrate on what I'm doing to make notes on this because I'm gonna miss something. No, it's yeah, it's too weird to like mm-hmm. listen to in the background. Right, like, exactly. right. And it's too dense. You're gonna miss yes. something. Yeah. Yes. And the Peter Gabriel, Steve Hackett years of Genesis, they're notorious for working this stuff in there. The little funny oh, quips or double yeah. entendre stuff that you have to listen for, right? Yes. And I love that. And honestly, I'm gonna look this up later, but like I wonder if these bands like would be like grouped into Canterbury Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Gabriel is like so just like weird, like storybook raw. I kind of call him that. Like his style of writing is almost like storybook to me. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I love that. I love that kind of prog rock. Yeah. 
Right, well, that's cool. All right. Well, let's let's cruise on to track number three here. A, a cry for everyone. This time, Ray Ray Shulman is on the vocals, yes. and, and I gotta say, as soon as I heard this, because it has an actual guitar riff that starts this off. Yeah, and that, that that's kind of the world that Jackson and I come from. We're guitar. Okay. Yeah, this was much more of a comfort okay. zone for me. I'm like, okay, here we go now. Right. I love that. Are you guys um, guitar players? You're just like into like guitar. We're not very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm a really, oh. I'm a really, really good air guitar player. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have so guitar cool. so I can teach my eight year old daughter to be better than me. But that's about <laughs> it. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. But yeah, no, that's so that's so true. Because I feel like Gentle Giant, like especially with this album, like it's more just like keyboards and like mm -hmm. strange like string arrangements mm -hmm. and like weird sounds you know so no totally it's like great to have like a familiar like instrument like on a structural level you yes. know like i know what that is and that's gary yeah. green on guitar you know uh <laughs> so so that brings up an interesting point too you're saying this this isn't this isn't what they usually do if you're gary green who doesn't write any of the songs and you show up and you're like okay fellas what are we doing? Oh, okay. I guess I'll sit in the corner while you play. And if you need me, let me know. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think of that. Like that must have been such a such a good point. Like such a strange experience, but also like A plus for him, you know, for like holding it down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would personally be like intimidated, like walking in the room with like the Shulman brothers and just like gentle giant and just hearing like that weird, like not weird. I say that a lot, but like that storybook kind of music and you're just like, okay, like, let me try to like riff on this and like, you know, <laughs> like sound cool. So A plus for him. Yeah, yeah. no, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it's, it kind of sounds like a more familiar tune to us and then there's a break and it gets really proggy, you know, yeah. and the synth and the odd sounds and the bridge kind of dominate for a while. And so you come yeah. back to that heavy riff that I liked in the first place and you got to finish with some of that. I'm like, all right, well, they're showing me another texture here, basically. Yes. And also, I have a I have a note here uh, inspired by the work and beliefs of Algerian French writer Albert uh, Camus, Camus. I believe Camus, is it. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. again, not what we're doing in the United States. We don't read <laughs> the Algerian French writers here. At least I've heard of him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. And I wrote that down in my notes too. And that's what I love again about the Brits and just like European artists, you know, like they're just, they read, you know, yeah. someone who is a book nerd. I love literary references, you know, and I just, yeah, I love it. It's just like, yes, let's be cerebral. Like, you know, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. You shouldn't have to apologize for being smart. But apparently that's what it's come to in the United States. America, I know. <laughs> I know it's pretty sad, but I'm sure like, you know, there's smart people out there and I'm joking, but it's, yeah, I love that. The they don't get much airtime these days, unfortunately. Yeah, I know, right? I know, but yeah, no. And I love like the lyrical content, like besides a literary reference, like I've just always been... I'll say like a sad guy. Like I love Roy Orbison. I'm like a definite, definite like sad guy lyricist. Mm -hmm. So like, I love that. I'm just like, yes, like be like depressing, be sad, but like in a way where it's like not like self-indulgent and annoying, it's like poetic. And you're just like, yes, yeah, cerebral, like be cerebral with your depression. I love that. <laughs> I like that too. Yeah. You know, and shame. I've hoped 2000 years, but no one knows. So I've cried crying, nice. vain tears. 
you know, these are, you know, if you really take a minute and listen or, or look at the lyrics, you know, there, it's not just, you know, I like this girl. I picked her up in my Chevy. There, there's a little more depth to it there. Yes. Like the brokenness. And I think that's also like the difference between like not even prog rock and classic rock, but like American rock like mm. versus like English rock, yeah. you know? Like the point you made, like American rock is very like I'm sad, so like I got wasted and like drove out <laughs> into the night. Right. And like English rock is like my heart is broken. Like, will she not like hear me? Like more like Shakespeare. Like you could yeah. tell, like, okay, like British people, like they definitely like grew up on Shakespeare, you know, and we kind of just grew up on like the Westerns. Wild West. Yes. Yeah. This is- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it's still cool though it's still cool that's what i love about american rock like it's in your face and very direct right but but this one doubt no doubt is all i know there is no faith there's no luck what does that show showing is proof but proving is nothing but fear like back where i grew up so what the hell is he talking about you know? <laughs> like why is this guy so sad yeah. no it's so real and i love that i love it well, let's get into knots. I mean, that's that's the one you kind of brought up earlier, and it's, yeah. it's based on the, the Artie Lang, I guess, book, uh, is a Scottish writer. And this has got, you know, there's a lot going on in this one. There's a lot of trading vocals and sharing vocal harmonies. I mean, does everybody get to sing on this one? I mean, I think they do. Like, I'm trying to think. I Oh, I did take note of that. It goes Phil, then Carrie, then Derek, Very then Derek. Ray. Mm-hmm. yeah which is pretty amazing in a four minute song that you know four different people get to share lead not to mention they're backing each other up with harmonies along the way yeah and they're doing like row i think it's called rowing or just like rows and that's mm-hmm. like that's yeah, pretty that's hard yeah. yeah it is hard because you always want it you want to jump in you or you want you're going to want to follow along with the person in the lead and you can't do that you have to stick to your part yeah. it's hard yeah, to do that it's really hard and like they're also like um singing like very like intricate vocal melodies like not only are they doing like a complex like choral technique right they're also like utilizing like a very like um just like intricate vocal and like just everything and that's what i love about gentle giant because like they're just not afraid to like show off the fact like (laughs) yes i know counterpoint Yes, I studied like co- like chorus writing. Like mm-hmm. I just love that. You know, I'm like, yes, show off like your nerd skills. Like just mm-hmm. do it. I love it. And is that a xylophone that Weathers is playing in the middle? I think yeah. it is. You know, yeah. you don't hear that every day, right? No, and that's what I love about Prague. Yeah, and then it gets a bit heavy, maybe uh, in the middle with a little ham and organ plus. I think that's a vibraphone that they might be using. I, I'm not really even sure what a vibraphone is. Sure. No, I love that. Yes, throw that out there. I'm not sure either. I'll have to like look more. I wish I took more notes on this song. I was like focused on like the psychology aspect and just like the weird, just like layering. And also like, I don't know if this is a thing with this song, but I was thinking about it. Just like the fact that it's like about psychology and like the intricate like layering and like whole mm-hmm. techniques and just like the whole song, at least to me, like kind of feels like you're going insane, you <laughs> yeah. know? Interesting. Yeah. And so like, I wonder if they did that on purpose because like, that's what I like about Prague. Like not only are like the lyrics complex, like the instrumentation, but also like the details. Like I, like I'm trying to think of a way to um, phrase this, like, 
purposely like um using the rowing technique because like the like human mind and also like using like dissonant chords and like augmented chords because like to the human brain like that's like off-putting and like kind Mm -hmm. of sends off signals like this is wrong you know and so like i like that because they probably did like some prog musicians like do that on purpose like not only using like um theory and like music as a technique but also using like psychology and like the human mind and how music like affects the human mind you know Mm -hmm. i feel like that's so prog in itself because i call like prog musicians like the mad scientists like the dr frankensteins (laughs) of rock and roll true True. i wouldn't be surprised if they were like in the studio like not only are we gonna are we gonna write this song like about psychology like let's write it in a way so like it causes like the human mind to be like this shit is insane right this is fucking great you know and like i said it's clever but it's weird yeah <laughs> and there, i i got a note here that that the the knots book is a series of dialogue scenarios which can be read as poems or plays describing the quote hey. knots and impasses in various kinds of human relationships so to, yes. to, to read that book and think, you know what, I'm going to make a song out of this. That's crazy. But to your point, it does sound like it's your mind talking back and forth to each other. And, you know, do you have these thoughts that kind of ricochet off in there? And the insanity is coming. Exactly. Yes. Like yeah. Relating yeah. with each other and not relating. Correct. I'm like, yeah, that's so yeah, true. To, translate, that to, to that read up. that book. Yeah. To read the book and translate it to a piece of music. That's that's pretty pretty intense no i love that and that's so prog you know yeah, just being like you yeah. know what thinking man's music like you said and Oops, and this is this funny. is one where gary green is sitting in the corner i guess having tea and toast because <laughs> right exactly on this one it's not jamming like, i'm gonna let you guys just like do your thing yeah 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 now do you know i mean have you heard any of the stuff that the showman brothers did with simon dupree uh and the big sound that was their band before they made Gentle Giant. Gentle Giant? Yeah. No, I no, honestly, I'm only familiar with Gentle Giant. Okay. Like when it comes to them, yeah. Okay. Well, I just I'll got check that out. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, yeah. they came from someplace and it was it was in the 60s, so it probably wasn't the same thing, but apparently they had some success in the UK and Europe. Yeah. Uh, and then they wanted to do their own thing, uh, which is understandable. So uh, just, yeah. just curious. Yeah, some little, little extra credit homework, I guess. There. For yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely going to check it, that out. I'm surprised. Like, I didn't think, you know, to like research or even like ask myself, like, oh, I wonder, like, how they even started. Like, I just went straight into that and like fixated. That's <laughs> uh, all good. It's all good. And so that's that's side one for those of us who had LPs or cassettes back in the oh, day. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a relatively short record. It's only 34 minutes. It's eight songs. Yeah. And most of them are between three minutes and about four and a half minutes. The last one, the river's a little bit longer. Yes. Um, but, but, you know, so they're not doing these huge like Genesis or Pink Floyd whole sides of an album, one song. They're, they're fitting yeah. it into what could be maybe not pop sounding, but pop length. Yes, right? exactly. Yes. And it was one of their wives who used the turn of phrase. It, there's eight songs, so it's an octo opus. Get it? That's where the octopus name came from. I love that. I, I wow. think it was Derek's wife, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay, wow. Shout out to that wife. Yes. That's so, that's so clever. We start side two with the boys in the band, which is an instrumental. Now, how do you feel about instrumental songs in general, you like them, you don't like them. It kind of depends on the song itself. What do you think? Yeah, I'm. Uh, 
I'm very on the fence. Okay. Like it, it kind of depends on the song. It's a, honestly, it depends on my mood. Like mm. I'm the kind of person, like I don't mind like long instrumental breaks, but there has to be like some kind of lyrical content in there. Even if it's like one verse or four words, yeah. like provide some context, right? Thing. Cause to me, like that gives it a direction. Like, yes. Like in a sense, like, instrumentals like have a direction because to me it's more like emotional like it's more mood based Mm -hmm. for me like at least to follow it like besides like the structure and like on a technical or theoretical level sure like be in it on like a feeling level and to like be in the zone of that song like i have to like find some kind of compass and so for me like lyrical content like okay i get this like that this has a direction this has like a story Mm -hmm. you know so i prefer i prefer like lyrics over just like full-on jamming that's why jam (laughs) bands aren't my thing even though i love grateful dead i love the grateful dead but i prefer they're more like their hits are just more songs with direction you Mm -hmm. know yeah no and this one i mean besides the spinning coin you can hear like they spun a coin on the table and then let yeah. it, you know, do big proud sound kicks it off. I mean, this is a cacophony of noise to start yeah. this thing. And then it settles in. You got some sustain, you know, with some guitar, maybe some keyboard in there, some horns. It's it's totally instrumental. It's it's very, very proggy with the starts and stops. And I, I don't know. I, I'm like you. I mean, sometimes a nice, like a YYZ by Rush, you know, that's good. But it's also a fairly brief song, you know, and. Uh, this one, it kind of seems, where are we going? It's it's like we kind of came up with this concept or maybe a couple concepts, squished it together. It's like, yeah, we don't need any vocals for this one. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I like it or dislike it, to be honest with you. I'm not sure. No, I agree I think, with you. Like I was going to say, I, th- to me, if you're looking at this, if you take the track out by itself, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the quarter, and I always thought that was cool because you know what that is, and you can tell yeah. when it's going to stop and then ricochet <laughs> on the table. But it's it's an, this is kind of a nice change of pace for the album. You know, you kind of had Knots, which was pretty intense, and then this is kind of like the palate cleanser. Like, okay, we'll just jam for a minute and then get into the rest of the record. That's so true. Honestly, I like that you said that it's the palate cleanser because now I think when I listen to the song again, like all, not that I don't enjoy it, but like it kind of just felt random to me. But now that you said that, like, I think I'll appreciate it more now when I listen to the album, honestly. So like, that's such a good point. Well done, Jackson. You just open up her world while she's opening up ours. Every once in a while, (laughs) come through for you. I love but, it. But Ray Shulman wrote that. It's interesting. I think he's the youngest, right, um, of the Shulman brothers. Because oh. Phil was the oldest. I think he was born in, like, but 1937. Yes. And he, he quit after this this record. Derek was kind of the out front front man. And I then, love him. Yeah. And then Ray, I guess, he's playing his bass. He plays a lot of other things, of course. But he's yeah. playing his bass. And bass players are are pretty steady people for the most back. part. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, when I was looking at the notes, I did see that that's a kind of a weird deal. He was 37 and then it was 47 and 49. So that so the the two the younger were the younger two were right on there. And he was the, the outlier 10 mm-hmm. years older. So, yeah, I can yeah. imagine where he, maybe he kind of felt a little bit he almost like a generation, I guess, behind them. Ahead of well, them. Yeah. He probably felt kind of, yeah, annoyed because imagine you're like the older brother and like your two younger brothers are like, let's play in a band. Like, yeah, yeah." 
you know so as an my older hip sibling, hurts i want to go home yeah exactly <laughs> i know the, the geriatric one I'm <laughs> you know yeah. he's like i'm tired you yes. know it probably gets tiring and also just playing with your siblings is, mm. i don't know if you guys have siblings like i'm one of three and i'm the eldest and like siblings fight as much as you love each other like siblings fight and siblings honestly i think because you know on a conscious level and a subconscious level that you share the same blood and like you're kind of just like you're stuck together or bonded together you fight harder than friends or mm -hmm. just i feel like any form of loved ones at least in my experience with siblings so that's probably a whole other difficult experience besides being in like one of the most complex like prog rock bands you're also like siblings you know so think about that for everybody else in the band because you're right that is a that is a dynamic where you would always feel like it was the three of them yes. that kind of had that bond and then everybody else so yeah exactly. that's interesting yeah no and jackson's the oldest of five so he knows what, exactly what you're oh, talking wow. about oh wow all my about God. fighting in between yeah. siblings yeah. but think yeah. about it okay so this is 72 right and he's 35 whereas those two guys are like 23 and 25 you know oh. so it's like he's he's ready to move on and maybe he had that success with simon dupree's like okay we're going to create that with gentle giant and when it wasn't happening he's like all right screw this you know I, i'm getting too old for this nonsense i don't want to deal with my little brothers anymore let them take it i mean this is what i'm picturing but i mean that that's a big difference especially in like 1972 rock and roll where they're like bands don't last more than two or three years you know and that's he's like so true and frog bands yeah mm -hmm. Prague was kind of like just like coming out the gates, you know, okay. or at least like becoming like, okay, this is like a hit. Like you, you can listen to a Prague band and be like, okay, this is one of their hits. Like, you know, in 1972. Yeah. That's what I feel like at least like, I definitely wasn't like there, you know, right. But, like, just based off my research, you know, like <laughs> that's how it seems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hi, this is Gary Kemp. And this is Guy Pratt. And you're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. <laughs> All right, well, so then they get into Dog's Life, which is the shortest song on the record. Yeah. Phil sings this, but it's a raised composition. And, I mean, here's your humor coming into it as far as I'm concerned. You know, they're, they're kind of talking about the family dog. It, it's a funny little song. It's kind of a comedy song, you know? It is. Yeah, are you looking at uh, are you looking at your buddy just thinking, man, you what a great life you have. What do you said? He doesn't care for his hair or his teeth. If truth were known, he's a bit of a thief. You know, you're just thinking like you're just sitting there thinking about the dog and like yeah, that's what I say all the time. Like I I'm working all day long and I see my dog just laying around <laughs> like when I come back, I want to be I want to be you. You got a great life. I know, right? A dog's <laughs> life sounds like a dream, like paradise. <laughs> Now, are you a dog person or do you have pets? Yes, I actually, oh my God, I'm a dog mom. My dog is named Jethro Tull. Amazing. <laughs> Jethro Tull's my favorite. He's sleeping by my feet right now. Can't imagine that. Yeah. I love dogs. I'm a major dog person. Well, that's cool because we do love dogs ourselves. And, you know, I, I work at home and so I'm with him 
all the time, you know. And so when I go out for an hour to go do something, it's like, oh my god, daddy's back, woo, daddy's back, woo. I'm like, you're never coming back. <laughs> Wasn't gone that long, pal. But um, yes, you know, pet him on the head, give the dog a bone, use a friendly tone. He won't leave you alone. You know, <laughs> so uh, true. It's a funny little song, uh, but it's you know, again, like you say, this is very prog. I mean, this is something that prog bands do. You know. Yes. No, it's definitely prog because. You wouldn't hear, like, again, excluding the Beatles, because the Beatles, like, Martha, my dear, is about Paul McCartney's dog. Mm-hmm. Well, you haven't heard, at least me, I haven't heard many, like, classic rock songs about their dog, you know? And it turns out to be, like, a weird, like, complex song, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think that's cool, and that's what I love about prog rock, because their lyrical content, it's not about, like, mainstream things like you know because rock is about like love like girls cars drugs like all the like fun things everything that makes life worth living yes yeah right (laughs) (laughs) like the fast life Uh so that's what i love about prog it's like no i'm gonna wake up and like write about a castle or like my dog or mm-hmm. you know and, I, and it's so good i love that i do too and they squeeze it all into three minutes and 10 seconds which is yeah. all the sounds and the horns and everything that's in there it's kind of amazing exactly it's just skills and again that's what i love about prog rock it's just it's real i don't want to say it's like real musicians but it's just the musicianship like in prog rock musicians versus like rock musicians it's off the charts it's, not- it's off the chart yeah it's off the charts like even with the best rock musicians just like it's next level and that's and see, what i love that's part of why i have never really liked punk rock i i i, oh. I, I kind of like the clash you know they, they kind of do something for me but you can't play you might have something no. to say but you can't play you know and it pisses me no. off that people like rolling stone just embrace this like oh this is going to get rid of the genesis and the gentle giants and the stuff that we don't love and here's the visceral rock and roll with kids who have something to say taking back the power i'm like should they be should you really put your hands in the hands i mean put your put your mind in the hands of a sid vicious i mean they can't play (laughs) no literally i was going to say that like i always joke like punk rock is for musicians like who don't know how to play music or they don't understand music. It's, it's not for musicians. It, it's for people who want to make a statement, but they they aren't musicians. But they aren't musicians. Yeah, it's just it sounds like noise. It's just anger and noise to me. Or it's honestly just for people like on heroin that like can't <laughs> play. It's like people who aren't Lou Reed. I feel like if you're not Lou Reed or Keith Richards and like you're on heroin, like. This you should play punk rock because you can play horribly. Right. Like it doesn't matter. Accepted. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I cannot stand punk rock. Like, and it makes me sound like a grandpa because like a lot of (laughs) it's too loud. Yeah, you know, because a lot of kids my age, and even the thing I just said, like kids my age, but like it's true. Like a lot of people in like my like age range, like they like punk rock. Like to them, it's like anarchy and it's like a statement and it's just it's so loud it hurts there is no lyrical content to me when it comes to punk rock and well, like, it has what? to be straight ahead it has to communicate to the teenager who's exactly. not that bright you know and, and it's just pissed off all the time right exactly it's just pissed off that's why to me metal i'm like metal is like music like that's where like 
if you have a brain mm. like there are some metal bands where it's like okay this is complete nonsense and like sure. i feel like my ears are gonna bleed but, like <laughs> right. when it's like metal you know that comes from like black sabbath like rainbow like you know that classic shit iron that's maiden. good but, like yeah iron maiden but punk i'm just like come on if you're not danzig if you're not Mi- the misfits only glenn zanzig's version Mm-hmm. You're just a mess. Yeah. I'll love Danzig until I die. I think that's because I'm a girl. And when I was a teenager, I had a crush on Danzig. Like, no, so who didn't? hard. <laughs> you know? Who didn't? So that, I'm biased. Like, that's why I'm like, no, I have a soft spot for Danzig because he was like my teenage, well, like, sexual but, awakening. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but you have to, you have to say, like, like the, but misfits were there at, day one they they weren't yeah. somebody who heard that and then got into it so yeah there i, I think there no. is a place for the for the 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 bands that originated it yes exactly that's why i'll always respect the misfits but other than that it just sounds like mess <laughs> but that can kind of contribute to the end of gentle giants career i, I, uh, I think i think what happened was they kind of had a hard time uh, writing together anymore. That's the kind of default. Yes. We can't do it anymore. But there's also forces from the outside, like the record companies, like, okay, now punk is the thing and this prog thing that you're doing, that's not working out anymore. Not to mention uh, the Peter Gabrielist Genesis. Now they're doing pop songs, you know? Oh, uh, now, now, yes, is broken up into different and they're kind of doing more pop stuff, you know? So they're like, yeah, we don't know if we have room for you guys. Like, well, if it's too hard internally and externally, I think it's time to wrap it up. And hey, to their credit, they never really got back together. Most bands at some point, like there's that's money true. out there or I need the money or there's enough of a fan pull let's go ahead and get back together i think maybe a couple of them have done a thing or you know in the 90s or something like that but there was never yeah there was never full-on gentle giant reunion after 1980 you know no and honestly i love that because they didn't try to just keep up with the mainstream and like you said a lot of these prog rock bands did that like jethro toll even did that you know mm-hmm. and that's what i love about gentle giant because they stayed true to themselves and instead of like you know evolving like with or not evolving which trying to like fit in and stay revel relevant Catch up. Mm-hmm. time you know they were just like you know what we did it and probably like there were other things that tied into that just like relations with each other and you know band stuff but i like it that they stay true to themselves and when you listen to gentle giant it's just all of like the true authentic gentle giant like there's nothing like, oh, this is them when like the 80s hit and like, you know, yeah, like right. with, yeah, with one guy from the original band or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So can you tell me what a mellophone is, Autumn? A mellophone. Mm-hmm. I wonder, honestly, I don't know what that is. But I wonder if it's like related to a mellotron. I'm oh, not sure. I, I asked because, you know, I, I'm looking through, I'm doing research on this. And Phil, who, you know, does a lot of the, the horn work on here, and, and obviously yeah, does yeah. on track seven, he plays a mellophone. And I'm like, well, what is it? Ooh. No, it's a it's a brass instrument, sorry. Yeah, it it's looks brass. like a, it looks like it's kind like of a trumpet. trumpet yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, it was I literally this okay. Never That's seen so that. Wow, I was way <laughs> off. Mellotron was way off. That's so interesting. Honestly, that's so prog rock. And that's what I love about prog rock. Like, I'll discover new instruments and just mm-hmm. 
It's so cool. That's what so have cool. you got at the house? I've got a mellophone. Bring it. Let's go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll Bring your mellophone to rehearsal. <laughs> We've got a song called Think of Me with Kindness. And I'm thinking a mellophone in the middle part might be good. What? It said nobody right? ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? But I like this song. I like this seventh song. It's a Meneer Wright with his spare voice. And it's, it's actually a very pretty song with their signature sound wrapped around it. I love that this is actually I wrote down as number one, like of my favorite songs. Okay. This one is my favorite. Cause I'm like, I think you know this like from like my own lyrical content, just like the content of my songs. Like I'm a sucker for like love songs, like whether that's about like falling in love, like losing love. I love that. And so this one's my favorite. Also, it alludes to um Edgar Allan Poe. Like Quatha Raven, it has Nevermore, oh, and it that. uses okay. it in the same way, like he does, like uh, talking about like loss and like love and like the love that you can never hold on to, like you know, in the pessimistic way, and like it's just memories, and so that's what I love because again, as a literary nerd, I'm just like yes, like please keep referencing like my favorite books, my favorite authors. And so that just adds to the layer of like sad boy, you know, like just energy. Like I'm going to reference Edgar Allan Poe. Like not only am I so heartbroken, I'm going to reference Poe. You know, I love that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, I've got softer and then grander with the horns. It's just a yeah. I mean, it's just it, again we're, we're switching gears here, but it fits in with the rest of the record. It does. It's so good. And as a piano player, I love this song. This is my favorite track because it's more like when I say simple, I don't mean the playing because as a piano player, it's very it's very intricate. His playing, it's delicate, it's intricate, and it's mm -hmm. pretty. But, like, at the same time, it's very, like, simple and beautiful. Okay. You know, like, melodic-wise. Like, not even melodic, just the way it, like, hits your ear. And, like, the way your, like, brain absorbs, like, the piano playing, the melody. It's just so... It's just very dainty and beautiful. And so I mm. love that. I love that. Well, that's cool. And then they they wrap up with River, which, again, is... It's almost six minutes. It's easily the lo longest song on the record, you know, Ray wrote it, Derek sings the verses, and Phil sings the bridge. So that's all the Shulmans kind of working in concert here. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, they a little electric violin is what it sounds like, but once they get the pat past the patented kind of weird stuff that I I feel like that this one is a little bit more listenable than some of the yes. other stuff on it, you know? Yeah, I have, I've got a uh, more rocking tune and we're back to the guitar and bass, which were which definitely were not in the track before. Yes. No, I like it too. And I wonder if they did that because it's like the last track, you know, mm -hmm. they're kind of just like, okay, let's kind of like tie like everyone together. Like, cause like you said, I think like the wife made a point, like calling this like octopus. It's like, all like different songs just like all of them kind of like writing something different and so i like this it's like oh let's come together and like be a band and like flow together mm -hmm. so i think that's cool and everybody gets to show off a little bit there's a lot more drum you know heavy stuff yes. in there mm -hmm. gary green gets to, to do his thing a little bit more uh on yes. this one so it's like let's let's stretch it out you know this is the last one 
Uh, we can make it a 32-minute record and just make it a four-minute song, or we could just stretch it out a little bit. We got plenty of space on the vinyl, right? <laughs> yes, yes. But but that wraps it. I mean, and then that's that's the end of it. Now, I think this kind of helped propel them a little bit. It did get them in the top 200 billboard in America. And I think it helped them tour a little bit more in, in the UK and Europe and, and maybe even in America. Yeah, I think. And also Japan. I want mm. to Google this quickly. I, I want to Google this quickly to fact check myself. But I'm pretty sure this album is like the one that got them big in japan i'm gonna quickly look i could be just like my brain i'm like making that up well it, it is almost be. six in the morning there autumn yeah <laughs> well i know I'm like, maybe that's why my brain is a bit foggy like this is usually when i'm like heading to sleep because gotcha. i tend to work like i'll work until like four or five a.m like mm -hmm. if i'm mixing or just like i try not to track like play instruments or record any tracks past 1 a.m because that's when i just become like i call it like noodle brain and like noodle <laughs> hands gotcha you, you can know? end up with some weird stuff if you do it too late yeah because that's when your brain is just like whoa like i should be sleeping like i'm just yeah like delirium <laughs> yeah. It's just delirium so i'm I like forgive my brain but i think that's this is the album they went to japan with i'm pretty sure gotcha. you know too tired to like deep dive that on Google right now. That's okay. <laughs> you know, uh, to do a little bit of a, of a wrap here, what's interesting to me is, yes, they they all kind of went their separate ways after 1980, after their, their last album, Civilian. But they've all kind of had some interesting, you know, lives past that. And to me, your boy Derek is the most interesting one because he had this huge career in music business after being a musician for all those oh, years. Wow, I did not know that. That's so interesting. Yeah, he was uh he did AR uh at Polygram for a while. And okay. he he signed Bon Jovi, Cinderella, Enough's Enough. <laughs> like he did that, you know, That's and then so weird. I know, but then he became the president and CEO of Atco Records, which I think was a division of Atlantic. And when we were Whoa. in high school, yeah, when Jackson and I were in high school, ACDC was signed at yeah. Atco. The Razor's Edge, which was their huge kind of yeah. comeback, you know, the biggest they did since Back in Black, that yeah. was on Atco while he was in charge. That's so cool. Wow. I did not know that. Thank you for bringing that knowledge to me. That's so cool. Amazing. And on the prog side, he did sign Dream Theater. Hilar that's so hilarious yeah you know help bad company <laughs> come back bad. after paul rogers had left you know yeah and then he became you know well then after that he became you know he went on to become president of roadrunner he you know he signed slipknot and nickelback i mean he's he's had a huge career as a businessman that is so crazy wow wow you learn something new every day that's so funny i love that that's so cool. And when I saw him, the video of him in his like white jumpsuit yes. uh, with his initials <laughs> on there, you know, doing his dance and hopping around. Yes. I'm like, look at this weirdo. Like this guy ran at Co. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so funny. Obviously had an eye for talent. I know, right? That's just so crazy. I know he went from dancing around in the white suit to like walking around in offices in a suit. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. So funny transition <laughs> but at least he made the transition i mean some people 
they never give up on it and they never grow up and they never figure out anything else to do. And it's kind of sad to see a, a guy sitting at the end of the bar like, I used to be a gentle giant. You're like, you don't want to see that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so savage. So true. And it's honestly very rare, like as a musician. And maybe it's because, like, again, prog rock is a thinking man's like genre. Mm-hmm. It's very rare as an artist to have like a business brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or yeah. even want to go into music music business on that level right after you were like in a pretty big band like even though gentle giant technically like isn't mainstream right they're still like a successful prog band you know <laughs> so it's it's interesting like he wasn't like oh let me start like a weird like jazz trio or like you know the things that other musicians do like i'm gonna start like a weird band like in another subgenre. he was yeah. like no like I'm going to get in a suit and like, I'm going to go into music business. I love that. I think that's so cool. Well, you could be the fact too, that, you know, you're sitting there making this music and you look over to the corner, you're like, Hey, those guys are making a lot right. of money on the corporate side. That's so true. They're not on the bus all night with their brothers arguing with you. That, that seems like a pretty good gig to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so true. You want to be the guy at the head of the boardroom table, not like the artist, you know, anymore. Correct. That's so true. Well, Autumn, look, we've really enjoyed talking with you here. It's been uh, it's been enlightening. It's been a lot of fun. You have a great energy about you. You have a lot of great knowledge and passion. And, well, you know, look, I guarantee you that next year there's going to be some anniversaries on some big Jethro Tull or other prog albums that maybe we can have you back to talk about, you know? Oh, please. Yes, I would love that. You guys are so cool, honestly, well, by thank the you. way. <laughs> and, we're, and we're really looking forward to hearing your uh, your record and its completion, too. So as soon as that's ready, please let us know. Yes. That's right. No, I definitely will. And, like, honestly, if you guys have another, like, prog rock fan, like, please, if you ever want to have me back, like, you guys are so cool. And I like, sure. love talking about music and this was such a great experience too honestly so thank you so much you're most welcome thank you no we, we need someone to educate us on toll i think marillion's uh script for adjusters tier turns 40 next year and that was that, again it's another band marillion huge in the uk can't get arrested in america i'm not familiar with that one honestly All like right, i well, know the name Okay, well, so they've had two different lead singers. One was just called Fish, F-I-S-H, Fish. Mm-hmm. And then he had a fairly big solo career. But it's okay. it's it's kind of like they have a best of both worlds. Like Van Halen had a, a Dave and a Sammy best of, uh, yeah. you know, two discs. Uh, okay. Is it Hogston, Roger, or Steve? Uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but there's like, there's the Fish era. And there was the guy who replaced him who was equally as good, different. Um, so if, if you're looking to maybe pick that up, Try best of both words, worlds, Marillion. I think you might you might like some. fish. By the way, sounds exactly like seventies Peter Gabriel. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll check that out then. All right. Well, we'll, we'll let you go and go to sleep. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. All right. Take care and stay in touch. Yes. You too. Have a good morning. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Go to sleep. All right. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, 
that was a fun chat with Autumn the Hawk Percival about Gentle Giant and their 1972 album Octopus. She has a lot of knowledge and passion for prog rock, and that's great. I mean, you just don't see it in people of her generation, and you don't see it, quite frankly, from a lot of women. So it's great to have her on the show and have her share her enthusiasm for this music, kind of educate us a little bit as we continue on our own prog rock journey. We want to wish Autumn all the best with her new album coming out here shortly, probably at the end of November. But like she said, we'll have to wait and see. Once that's out, we will certainly be all over social media. And you can find Autumn. I think you can find her on most social media outlets. I know she's very big on Instagram. So you can go to Autumn Hawk Percival and find her on Instagram and follow her. Enjoy her music. I think you're going to like some of it if you like any of the stuff we've talked about on this show. And by the way, the Marillion frontman Steve Hogarth is the man who replaced Fish in Marillion many years ago. Uh, still going strong to this day from what I understand. But don't want to upset our Marillion fans out there. And yes, that's another prog band that maybe, just maybe, we get somebody on to educate us about because, again, very big in England, not so much in the United States. So, as we like to do, guys, we want to know, do we get something right? Do we get something wrong? Do we miss the point? Do we leave out your favorite part? You have to let us know. Email us, UglyAmericanWerewolf at gmail.com or tweet us at Ugly underscore Werewolf at ActionJack72. You can DM us. You can let us know which albums, which bands, which concerts, which rock properties you want us to explore and to review. Of course, we have to thank Pantheon Pods. So proud to be part of the Pantheon Podcast family. And of course, our sponsor, RareVinyl.com, where if you go to RareVinyl.com or EIL.com and use the code PODCAST, you can get 10% off not just your first order, but all orders you make with them over time. They're based in the UK, but they ship all around the world. And if you're looking for that rare gentle giant, they might just have it there for you. Next week, we go back to one of our very favorite bands, and that's The Cult. The Cult are back after, I think, eight years or so since their last album. They've come back with Under the Midnight Sun, which just came out in October. And I believe they're going to be doing a little tour out west in November to break in the new album. Hopefully we'll see more of that in the coming year. But as Jackson is maybe the biggest cult fan in the U.S., we're going to review Under the Midnight Sun on episode 102, and that will be out Thursday, November 10th. So thank you to Autumn the Hawk Percival, a lovely, wonderful, fun, enthusiastic guest. We really hope to have her on again soon. Please check her out on Instagram. Please find her new album. And to all of you rockers all around the world, until next time, be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 